Well, BJ, we are, we are proud of you and all of the men and women who have prepared for ministry through Nazarene Bible College. The Board of General Superintendents, we met with them last December, and the chairman of the board, Dr. Crocker, said in front of all of the college presidents, Nazarene College presidents, he said that uh, the past year that 40% of the ordinands in the U.S. and Canada had been trained for ministry through Nazarene Bible College. He said 20% was trained through the other eight liberal arts universities put together. And their main concern was, where are the other 40% getting their training? So we're working on that, and, uh, and, and I believe God will help us uh, as we go forward. Uh, I'll just take a moment and, and say, uh, NBC has been in transition. Maybe you've heard of that. Um, we had been in Colorado Springs for 50 years. And um, when we built the college there, there was really only two ways uh, to get your studies done for ordination in the Church of Nazarene. That was either go to a liberal arts college or do home study course. And that was the only options. And uh, the church had, had, a, had a tremendous vision of we, we need to help second career adults. This, this method of home study is, is, is just not getting it done. And so uh, they, they voted in 64 at the General Assembly to start Nazarene Bible College. When we did that, in the third year of our existence, we had 800 on campus. And um, they just came from everywhere. But after a time, uh, adult education began to change. Uh, institutions like the University of Phoenix and some of these were coming on. And the whole mode of adult education changed. Instead of we build it, they come, the idea was you take it to the student. You take it to them. And so in 84, 85, we began extensions all over the USA, had almost 1,300 students in those extensions. And we were actually giving college credit on the spot at that time. And then we discovered through accreditation purposes that we were doing that illegally. You can't teach face-to-face -face for college credit in a state that you're not licensed in. And so we had to pull back and quit doing that at the same time, uh, the online education piece was starting up. And today, today we have about 700 students online uh, studying for ministry in the Church of the Nazarene. Uh, because our classes start every six weeks, every six weeks, we have a turnover of about 300 students. So there's about 1,100 different individuals taking classes from NBC at any time, or throughout the year, I should say. So it's, it's, we're proud of you, BJ, and the alum, alums that, that serve the Lord in various capacities. I'll just say this one thing. Did you know that we have an arrangement with a Christian counseling uh, school in Hong Kong? And last year they graduated eight Christian counselors from that institution with a Nazarene Bible College degree. So they will be released to go into communist China to give Christian counseling to people who desperately need it.
and they were prepared through Nazarene Bible College. Isn't that pretty awesome? Amen. So, so I want us tonight to look at Psalm 77. Uh, this, is, uh, this is an interesting psalm, and, and we're going to work down through it. So I hope you have either, either the Bible on your phones or you have your hard copy here with you tonight, because we're going to work through this passage. And, um, and I want us to look at two questions, and they're really the same question. The first one is, how's big, how big is your God? How big is your God? The second question is, how great is your God? Maybe it's the same thing. And this seems to be the questions being asked here in Psalm 77. Asaph uh, is writing this psalm, and, and uh, we don't know what's really going on with him. There's, there's, no, there's nothing that tells us what's going on with Asaph. But you can't you can't read this psalm without saying, man, something's going on in this guy's life here. Something's going on. So we begin looking at verse 1. He, he writes, I cried out to God for help. I cried out to God to hear me. Now, I have to tell you that the first few verses we're going to look at, they're, they're, they're really not very uplifting. I mean, we're, we're not going to run the aisles on this one. It's, there's a sense of sadness that it's going on here. And again, we can't, we can't tell what is really going on. We can just feel the heart of the writer. We can just sense his distress as we read through this. And the interesting thing to me is that he starts right off by saying, I'm not going to go to my friend. I'm not going to go to a counselor. I'm not going to go. I'm going to go to God. That's the first thing he says. I cried out to God. Now look at verse 2. In distress I sought the Lord. At night I stretch out untiring hands and my soul refused to be comforted. I mean, this guy's in bad shape. There's no way, there's no way around it. He, he says, I can't, I mean, I'm just crying out to God night and day here. So something's pressing on his heart and on his life. And if you begin with verse 3, you see the conditions of this distress. He says, my spirit grew weak. In other words, he was losing heart. He's losing heart here. And then in verse 4, he says, my eyes, I kept my eyes from closing. What does that say to you? What well, says to me, he was just sleepless. He couldn't sleep. He was too troubled to talk about it. He couldn't talk about it, it says. And then in verses 6 through 9, he began to question his faith. Now often when we go through discouraging times, times that press against our hearts, press against our lives, have we not been in the same situation where, where, we were, where, where we were losing heart and we couldn't sleep and we, didn't, we were too troubled to even talk about it? And then in verse 9, we see that he begins to question his face. Look at verse 7. Will the Lord reject forever? 
Will he never show his favor again? Has his unfailing love vanished forever? Has his promise failed for all time? Has God forgotten to be merciful? Has he in anger withheld his compassion? Let me tell you folks, this guy is in the pits. There's no other way to explain it. He is stressed out. He thinks maybe God has deserted him. He thinks God is not hearing him. He can't sleep. He can't even talk about it. The only thing he knows to do is get on his face before God and cry out to him. That's all he knows to do. Perhaps you've never been there before. I hope you haven't. If you have had times when life seems overwhelming, that from the depths of your heart you, you cry out to God and you question whether He sees your situation, if He knows what you're going through, if He really cares, it's hard to admit. It's even harder to say. If so, maybe you can identify with the psalmist. Maybe you've been there. Maybe you've hurt like that. Maybe you are now. But then I want you to notice what he does. He doesn't give up. He doesn't give in. He doesn't throw up his hands in defeat. Look what he does. In verse 10 we read, Then I thought, this is the same guy that's in the, he's in the pits. The valley of despair, if you will. The same guy says, then I thought, to this I will appeal the years of the right hand of the Most High. What does he mean by that? Well, the right hand of God could refer to his omnipotence. Here the psalmist is appealing to God's unlimited power. He's basically saying, God, I know you're able I know you have all power. I know you can do something about this. I'm not discouraged, but I am. I'm not in distress, but I feel it. I can't sleep at night. I'm beginning to doubt my faith. I'm even questioning you, God. So what do I do? I appeal to the all-powerful, all-knowing, all-sufficient God. Now note what he says in verse 11. I will remember the deeds of the Lord. I will remember the deeds of the Lord. I will remember your miracles of long ago. I will meditate on all your works. I will consider all your mighty deeds. You see what's going on here? You see what he's saying? He is saying, God, you're bigger than what's the matter. God, you can do something about this. I've seen you work in the past. 
I know I can trust you. I know you've worked for me in days gone by. Now we begin to see hope in the heart of Asaph. In verse 13, he says, Your ways, O God, are holy. Your ways are holy. What God is so great as our God? Don't you love that? What God is so great as our God? Verse 14, you are the God who performs miracles. You display your power among the people. And verse 15, with your mighty arm, you redeemed your people. And he goes on, he goes on reviewing about how God brought the people, children of Israel, out of captivity and carried them into the promised land. He reviewed it. He remembered it. He recalled it. He said, that's what I'm going to stand on. And that's what we all need to stand on in those days when we feel that discouragement, that darkness, that doubt come into our lives. Now, the truth of the matter is, maybe I'm the only one in the room that has had those moments. But I willingly admit to you, I've had them. You don't live 68 years and spend 46 of them in ministry and not have some of those doubts. I, I was called to my, the last church I pastored was in Cincinnati, Ohio. It was Westchester Nazarene Church. And uh, I came from Amarillo, Texas to Ohio. They were in the middle of, they, they were in the middle of a building program. They had, they had bought property, they had hired an architect, and they, um, uh, they had uh, their building up for sale. Now that's what I work, walked into. I had never built a shed as a pastor. And now I was being called to build a 50,000 square foot building. I, I, didn't, I didn't know, I, I was trying to figure out what, I didn't know anything. But I had plenty of people who did. So I just had to let them drive the car. We sold our building. But before we sold our building, we started building this beautiful church. And um, on one side was going to be a retirement center. On the east side, 20 acres, it was going to be a retirement center. And it was sold. They sold it before I came. But we carried the note. I can tell you right now, that's the first point of distress in that situation. We carried the note. So when we started to build the building, we only borrowed what we thought we needed to do with this money coming in. Because we'd sold it, but we carried the note. You understand what I'm saying? We carried the note. So we started building the building, got it up, and this guy went bankrupt. We had to go through a court deal to get the land back. Now that money wasn't coming in. And I got the board together and said, we need to shut the project down because we're out of money. That was hard to do. 
So we had this beautiful sanctuary that was going to sit, seat 1,400. It was kind of like this. It was going to seat 1,400, and it was just a shell. And, and we had sold our old church building, and we sold it to a Baptist church that was going to make it into a gym or sanctuary, so they let us have the old carpet. So we pulled up the old carpet, and we took it in our gym. And we bought chairs from Sam's Club, and that's where we set up shop. Well, it's just going to be a matter of time, but time went on. It's three years. It's now four years. Now, an interesting thing happened. Guess who got the blame? I bet you, I bet you already know who got the blame. Why didn't the pastor do something? Oh, we need, why is it, you know, God's not with us. It, there must be sin in the church. Now, that's, that's really a smart thing to say, isn't it? There must be sin in the church. And I think that that person who said it was saying that the pastor is the sin in the church. Or why wouldn't God let us finish it? But we kept paying our obligations to world evangelism. We kept paying to Mount Vernon Nazarene University. We built 10 churches during those four years on the mission field. I wasn't going to allow the real heart of that church to be sidetracked because of this building. We had a pastor's gathering there. I got so tired, district pastor's gathering. I got so tired of people saying to me, when are you going to finish the building? When are you going to finish the building? When are you going to... My wife, we had gravel parking lot. And it snows in Westchester, Ohio. And when they would, when they would push the snow up into a bank, it got gravel in it. So there was about as much gravel as there was snow. And I looked out my office window that day, and I said, oh, no. My wife had our van, and she had it high center on that pile of gravel and snow. I went out there and pushed it off of there and got her on off back to school where she taught. And I went in my office, and I'm telling you, I had a serious conversation with God that day. I said, God, I'm tired. I am so tired. Don't you see what's going on here? Does it, does it really matter to you if we finish this building? God, can you hear me? I wasn't nice that day. I mean, I was Asaph. And I went home that night, and I was lower, as, as low as you can go. And I went to bed. And in the middle of the night, for some reason, I cannot tell you to this day why. But I think I know. 
I dreamed that I went back to Clarksville, Tennessee for a high school class reunion. And when I walked into the gym where it was taking place, there was, there was a bar set up, and there was three classmate girls that were, not none of them were my ex-girlfriends. They were all sitting there drinking. And I, I talked to them, and, and uh, they asked me what I was doing. I said, I'm a minister, and, and, and that type of thing, and, and that was it. Next morning, I got up, and I thought, well, that was a weird dream. I mean, that was a weird dream. A week to the day, I was having one of those restless nights again. Still arguing with God. And I finally got to sleep, and I dreamed I went back again. And this time, a girl by the name of Bobby Lee McAvoy that I had known since junior high, she said to me, she said, Harold, tell me, tell me more, tell me more about your faith. And in that dream, I sat down and I shared how Christ had changed my life and how I was a minister and etc. And I don't remember from that. I just woke up the next morning and I said, that is just weird. And I went back to the office. My office was concrete floor. And it was cold. And I felt an impression from God, you need to call Bobby Lee. I said, God, you've got to be kidding I said, I haven't seen her in 21 years. Certainly she's, I only knew her high school name. How would I ever get find her? No, you call. So I called an old buddy. And I said, George, I said, uh, and we exchanged pleasantries. And I said, George, I said, I don't want to, this is weird sounding, you know, you know, but sometimes God speaks to me in my dreams. In the last two weeks, I've, I've dreamed about Bobby Lee, and I need to know, is she, do you know where I could find her? And this is what he told me. She's a school nurse at the junior high across the street from the church your dad pastored. I said, do you know anything about her? He said, I know that there's, they're, they're having marriage problems and there's been a lot of drinking and stuff going on in the home and, and that's what I know. I got the number of the school and called and asked to speak to the school nurse. She answered the phone. I said, Bobby Lee, this is Harold Graves. Do you remember me? Ah, yes, I do remember you. And now what do you say? I said, well, Bobby Lee, you might, you might wonder why I'm calling you in the middle of a Friday morning, I think it was, or Thursday morning, after all these years. And she said, well, yeah, I mean, you know. I said, Bobby Lee, I need to know if you're okay. I said, I don't want to spook you or freak you out or anything like that, but sometimes God speaks to me in my dreams, and the last two weeks you have been in my dreams, and I just need to know if you're okay. She got real quiet, stuttered around a little bit, and then she said, well, things, things are a little better now, 
Now what do you say? What would you say? And it was like God spoke in my ear and said, tell her that I know her by name. That I know where she's at. And that I love her more than she can possibly know. So that's what I told her. And she was crying and said, Harold, I don't know what to say. By the way, you don't have to. Yeah, listen, God loves you so much that he's put you in my dreams the last two weeks. And in one phone call, I found you after 21 years. And this is what God wants you to know. That he knows you by name. He knows where you are. And he loves you more than you can possibly know. Well, we exchanged addresses and et cetera, and we hung up. I, I thought, well, in a week or so, I'm going to get a letter. I did tell her, well, Bobby Lee, I, I would tell you this. If you're not in a church, I'd sure find me a good one. I never heard from her. I was back in Asaph's office again. It was a cold day. You know how cold concrete is when it's right on the ground? When there's no basement below it? And I said, oh God. Don't you see us? Does it really matter to you? And then it was not audible, but it was as clear as clear could be. Harold, do you remember that phone call you made? Yes, Lord. Well, you asked me a couple questions. You asked me. Do you see what's going on here, God? Does it really matter to you what's going on here? He said, Harold, that call was not for Bobby Lee. It was for you. And to this day, I get emotional. Because it radically changed my life. I knew then, without a shadow of a doubt, that God knew my name, that he knew what I was going through, and that I could trust him. I could trust him. And the old cold floor got a little warmer. And the gravel parking lot looked beautiful. It didn't matter anymore. Cuss the pastor out if you want to. It doesn't matter anymore. It doesn't matter anymore. And from that day on, every Sunday I closed the service by telling the people that I had the privilege of serving that there is a God in heaven. 
and he knows you by name, and he knows whatever you're going through, you can trust him. You can trust him. I guess, Brian, that's why Psalm 77 just got a hold of me. Because it forever changed my life when I knew without a shadow of a doubt that I could always remember what God had done. It wasn't very long until the land sold and the, the building was finished and everybody was happy. And I didn't get any more nasty letters. And nobody else resigned from the church. Everybody was happy. But from that moment on, whenever I have faced moments of stress and, and just in these jobs, you just, they, it can pile up on you so quick. I can always remember what God has done. Now, what I want you to do tonight, I gave you a piece of, well, you were given a, 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 what do they call that, index cards? And a putt-putt pencil. This is what I want you to do on, on one side. I want, you to, I want you to write one concern, one thing that presses on your heart. Or, if you're fortunate to say, there's nothing there that's pressing on my heart tonight. What I want you to do then is write a memory of a time when God came through. Okay? I want you to take a moment and I want you to do that. You don't have to share it with anybody. I'm not going to ask you to stand and share it. I, I just want you to write that down. A concern, something that is pressing on your heart. Maybe not in the pits of despair, but maybe it's a sickness. Maybe it's a loved one that you're carrying a burden for. Maybe it's your job. It's just a multitude of things that press in against us. I want you to write that on one side. Now I want you to flip it over when you're finished. And on the other side, I want you to write these words. I'm going to say them very slow. What God is so great as our God? What God is so great as our God? Now, I want you to read it back with me. What God is so great as our God? Now, this is what we're going to do. This is how we're going to end this thing tonight. We're all going to come forward with our cards. We're not going to read them. We're not going to leave them here. Because what I've, what I've discovered, you know, I've heard people say, well, you come to the altar and leave your burdens there. Well, maybe that works for some people. But the truth of the matter is, you can... You can take it to God 
but they often stay with you. Let's be honest about that. Let's be honest about it. So we're not going. We're not. We're going to keep those with us. But the flip side is the statement of faith that says our God is great and all powerful. Can you believe that with me? Can you trust that with me tonight? Let's stand. And uh, Brian, do you have a song that maybe goes along with something like that? I, I can tell you that it's always best to, to check with them before you ask them to sing a song. So as he sings, we're going to come forward with these cards. And we're going to press them up against our heart. And we're going to say, Lord God, I'm going to trust you with this. I'm going to trust you with this. Whatever this situation is, whatever is pressing against me, Lord God, I'm going to trust you with this because who is great? Our God is great. Amen? All right, Brian, let's sing it. Let's come forward with those cards tonight. Sing with me how great is our God. And all will sing how great, how great is our God. Oh, how great is our God. Sing with me how great is our God. And all will sing how great, how great is our God. So, Lord, tonight we give you these concerns. And we give to you our praises. I, I just want to thank you tonight, God, that we can trust that you see us. There are, there are things that we really won't know and, until we're with you and, and we're spending eternity. But, but tonight we just want you to know that we trust you with these things. You're the all-powerful God, and there's none like you. And you love your children. You love us so very much. In fact, you loved us enough to send your Son into this world to show us the way to you, to die for our sins, to open up the grave so that we might spend eternity with you. So, Lord God, tonight, these things Maybe they press on our hearts, we give to you. You know the things, Lord, that I'm praying about. And I know, I know, God, I can trust you. Because I remember, I recall what you've done in the past. And you haven't changed a lick. You're the same. You're always the same. So we trust you. And we love you tonight. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. And we're going to sing that song again. Age to age, Lion and the Lamb, the Lion and the Lamb, sing it. 
How great is our God. Sing with me how great is our God. And all will see how great, how great is our God. Oh, how great is our God. Sing with me how great is our God. Just before we leave, you know one of the nice things about growing old, and I'm, hey, I'm, I'm 68, I'm closer to 70 than I've ever been before in my life. And I used to think 70 was so old. One of the great things about getting older, you can reach back and pull out those memories of how God came through when you didn't know what was going to happen. Tell you, kids, one day you'll be closer to 70 than you are now. You can trust Him. You can trust Him. And I can tell you that it's not one battle and it's all done. <laughs> it isn't, is it? You know, they're numerous, too numerous to elaborate on. But after, let me ask you one more time. How big is your God? How big is He? Well, the psalmist says, there's none like Him. He's all-powerful. Well, thank you for being here tonight. Thank you for letting me ramble on a little bit about that. It really gets at my heart. Because this is where we live. And I've never been disappointed. Have you, Brian? Man, you travel all over the country and see all kinds of things. There's, a, there's an old song we used to sing. I, I don't like the words of it. It says, he never has failed me yet. I don't like the yet. I, I wish they never had that in the song. It's, there's a possibility. There's a potential out there that he might fail you sometime. But I'm telling you, God never fails us. We can take hold of that. We can take hold of that. Well, thank you, Pastor. Amen. This just is a continuation of what God's been doing. Amen. And uh, it's one thing for us to believe in something. We know that God is great. But I think I've heard somebody say, well, sometimes we've got to put our trust in that. And that's what we're doing today, putting our trust in it. Thank you, Dr. Graves. Thank you, Brian. Let's pray together one last time. God, there is no God greater than you. You knew just what we needed tonight. God, I pray that as we take these cards with us, that you will remind us that you will write on our hearts what you've done for us. 
And will you show us a glimpse of what you're going to do for us? We trust you tonight as we leave this place. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. We'll see you tomorrow night, 7 o'clock tomorrow night, right here. See you then.